Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping season three, episode 11, titled I Solemnly Swear. The bio for this one is A classmate convinces Paris that Rory has been plotting against her. Meanwhile, Emily is being sued by a former maid, and Lorelai meets an interesting man. Spoiler <laughs> alert much. <laughs> Before we get going, don't forget about our sticker giveaway. All you have to do to enter is to write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and send us a screenshot to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll send you a sticker mm-hmm. for free. And this month, since it is March, we're also kicking off a fun March Madness bracket, not for basketball, but for Gilmore characters, of course. Mm-hmm. Vote for your favorite characters so that they can win the tournament. We have already posted the bracket with all of the characters and their different seeds, so you can see who's going to be going head to head in the first round. That will take place starting on March 16th. So follow along with us on Instagram if you'd like to take part. Voting will happen over our stories. And we're really excited to engage in March Madness in our own special Go More Way. (laughs) It's going to be so much fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what were your initial thoughts on this episode? Well, I'll be honest. (laughs) I thought this episode was a bit of a snooze fest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It had its shining moments, don't get me wrong, but... Overall, I feel like it's a pretty forgettable episode. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think it's it was kind of, I mean, it was fun, but it was definitely, and like we've talked about filler episodes in the past and they're not, they're not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But in this, this case, it was just like, none of this is really furthering the plot too much. It seems like a lot of maybe setup for plot stuff, but yeah, it was fun sometimes, but yeah (laughs) not as juicy as some of our more recent episodes right yeah it definitely pales in comparison to the overall like almost kind of perfection of season three so far yeah we did get some great standouts from like minor characters Mm -hmm. like Francie was great we also get introduced to Alex who is an interesting ish character (laughs) and Suki of course had a bit more of a storyline than in some other episodes we had been asking for that yeah okay well before we get into the minutia let's do our talking fast segment shall we oh gosh (laughs) sure are you prepared to go first i suppose so (laughs) okay ready set go we open at the gilmore's emily is being sued by a former made surprise surprise i think we all saw that coming uh she asks she'll eventually ask lorelei to do a deposition for her and lorelei will let her down (laughs) and though meanwhile um suki and lorelei run into joe from deer hill lodge and alex and joe likes suki and wants to go on a date with her but she's married um also um uh, oh okay (laughs) Oh, all the Chilton stuff. Oh, my gosh. I've, oh, I've yeah. done better, but hey. Okay. Okay. I feel really off my game today. I shouldn't have taken an afternoon nap, so mm. we'll see how this goes. The adrenaline of the timer might help wake you up. Yeah, we'll see. Oof. Okay. On your mark, get set, 
go. So Emily's getting sued. Lorelai has to give a deposition, which goes badly, of course. And she and Suki are also taking a class on opening an inn where they meet Joe and his friend Alex, who they're starting a coffee shop, which is like perfect for Lorelai. And meanwhile, Rory is being uh, blackmailed, kind of. I guess she's involved in Francie's schemes, and that makes Paris mad, and Paris uh, attacks her fencing, and uh, <laughs> I took way too long trying to think of one word. That was pretty good, though. And I still didn't think of it. <laughs> okay, should we slow down and go into detail? Yes, yes, I think we should. As we both mentioned, the cold open is a Friday night dinner when Lorelai and Rory arrive Emily is on the phone berating her lawyer and we hear that she really needs a document faxed and says that his wife can tape his daughter's recital she needs it tonight <laughs> and we oh learn gosh. this is about um, a farmer maid Gerda from Hamburg Germany being um, she is suing Emily for wrongful termination uh, the reason she was fired, Emily says, is because she was a clomper. <laughs> oh and this sets up a conversation about Emily as an employer and if she is fair or not. Uh, what were your thoughts on this debate between Emily and Lorelai about her as an employer? It was kind of a lot of what we've been saying. Lorelai really points out that Emily is like always trying or she'll find one bad thing that negates all of the good things about the maid. And that's like, that's the end of it. Uh, Emily goes on about how she pays for their service. So she should have it exactly like she wants it. Which I think is like the the idea that a lot of rich people have. Or just a lot of people when they're paying for things for service from people. They expect it to be like perfect without any flaws disregarding the fact that it's people who are giving them the service and people are not robots mm -hmm. yeah so I liked Lorelai was really kind of on our side mm -hmm. she's obviously listened to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on this yeah it did eerily feel like a culmination of our various Friday night dinner critiques about her behavior <laughs> I did mm -hmm. I did find it interesting to learn in the conversation that Emily says she pays the most of anyone in Hartford and that she also offers a hefty severance package. I felt like that contextualized things a little bit, but mm -hmm. it doesn't fix the fact that she does have unrealistic expectations and they're really doomed. Like, um, and I think the key example of that is her demanding her lawyer miss his daughter's recital yeah. like in that very the very yeah. preceding conversation like you can't say you could pay enough to have an expectation like that you know it's just unfair like you said not treating them as human beings but just like service givers so yeah I thought it was a long overdue acknowledgement <laughs> and reckoning it's like the height of capitalism where if you have enough money you can make people give up their most like precious personal things mm. Just for the money of it. Yeah. Which, or for a fax. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. What was she going to do with that that night, you know? Right. Exactly. Probably just read it to Lorelai and Rory. <laughs> <laughs> so after our cold open, we 
come into the inn where Suki and Jackson are having a fight over vegetables. Jackson didn't bring the Brussels sprouts that Suki wanted. And Lorelai is just sitting there like it's a movie. Mm-hmm. Michelle comes over and asks why Lorelai didn't get him to watch this. And they just sit there and kind of watch watch the fight, which ends with Suki telling Jackson to take away these vegetables. I don't remember what they were, like pea something, tendrils or something. They're pea tendrils, yeah, which I'd never heard of before. Yeah, I've never had those before. Um, and then, of course, as he takes them away, they have like a like kiss, I love you, goodbye kind of. <laughs> so it's like their whole fight is part of their, just part of their relationship, not actually really a fight fight. Mm. Well, it's like a divide between church and state or personal yeah. romantic life and then business professional life <laughs> yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. we then learn that michelle is planning to cover for lorelei for the next day because her and suki are going to take a class about how to open an inn from the learning center and michelle is characteristically pretty snooty about this <laughs> bragging about how his hotel school was a fancy one in france and this is um like a class at the radisson hotel <laughs> and they also have a bit of jokes about how jackson is the one who recommended the learning center because he was pretty lonely before Suki and didn't live near a good bar so he took a lot of different classes <laughs> including beekeeping and others how to write a diary yeah (laughs) i did want to note like i don't think any of them live near a good bar i don't think there's a single bar in stars hollow which is part of the alley bar joke in the revival which i think is one of the a a good part of the revival actually (laughs) yeah that's such a strange thing like i i usually don't think about it but to have a small town like that that has all that like community feel that doesn't have a bar of some sort or at least not one like within the town square is just is super weird. Mm-hmm. And we don't I don't even think Luke's serves alcohol. Not that we've seen. I wonder if this is all a scheme of I mean, I guess it's all a scheme of Taylor as we see in the Temperance. Revival. <laughs> yeah. So the next scene I think is like a meanwhile sort of move to go to Chilton where Rory is at school. And I have my Friday night dinner here. It might seem a little silly, but my my Friday night dinner is <laughs> about the poor use of exterior shots to open scenes in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. It was so weird. Um, this is at least like one of three that I notice where it's this one is of Chilton. It's clearly like kind of it has a stock footage vibe and I swear it's almost fuzzy. Like the quality of this mm-hmm. image is not good. And I don't feel like it fits the vibe of the show at all. Yeah, This isn't really a common formal feature that they do. So it kind of took me out of it. And then in just a couple scenes when they go to the learning center, they use like a really like it looks kind of like a business center building. I think it's the Radisson Hotel probably, but it's a very random exterior shot and yeah super like brutalist art architecture yeah and i feel like they linger on them for a second too mm-hmm. long every time so i just i don't know why it, they just felt so unnecessary to me just open on the scene <laughs> yeah and the the chilton one also didn't look like any of you of chilton we've had in the past mm-hmm. 
it like wasn't the courtyard that they enter in that we've seen or anything like that. Yeah. Had like a gargoyle. That was super I strange. <laughs> yeah, it was just weird. Yeah. That's that's true. Maybe that was like this episode did just have a different kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was part of it. Yeah. I wonder if there was a different editor. Well, I or did something. look up I don't know. the director and this is the only episode of TV she's ever directed. But I don't want to uh. like besmirch her name you know so (laughs) but she's not like somebody who directed multiple Gilmore Girls episodes yeah she worked on the show but this was only her only one as a director that's interesting Mm -hmm. I guess that makes sense she just had a different style and maybe they maybe they felt the same about it that we did yeah a little jarring (laughs) yeah um in this scene Paris is going through suggestions from a suggestion box and kind of dismissing most of them um, but Rory also wants to find out what Paris plans to do about the coup that happened, which Paris doesn't seem, I mean, she's not happy about it, but she doesn't seem that upset about it, mostly because she managed to negotiate the price of the mansion down for prom so they can still do the telescope. But she's not like, I don't know, I just think of how angry she gets like in the Yale Daily News <laughs> when mm when things go wrong and how different it is here like how just kind of okay she seems about it although she does start the student council meeting off with a great kind of passive aggressive and opening towards Francie and everybody else Mm -hmm. which was pretty pretty funny (laughs) and I think importantly she primarily blames the teacher Mr. Hunter Mm -hmm. which I think is fair and we both blamed him as well but she totally doesn't blame Francie like she's underestimating her she says she doesn't think she's smart enough to be a sneak so I think she is definitely underestimating the true culprit and yeah (laughs) meanwhile Rory is still very much in a feud with Francie and it leads her to like reject Francie's idea to set up the blood drive table in the cafeteria for like no good reason (laughs) and Paris just kind of goes along with it because she trusts Rory at this point and I don't know it was just so it was really it was really silly but Rory and Francie end by like staring each other down so we know this conflict will be central to the episode from the scene. To be fair having a blood drive in a cafeteria does seem a bit strange but it's just the sign up (laughs) table (laughs) yeah oh that's true yeah um but we also get a funny little bit where madeline like (laughs) shrieks at the word blood Mm -hmm. and so she um like ends up having to put her fingers in her ears and hum during this whole conversation which paris ends like after the conversation is over she ends and tells louise to tell um john william (laughs) to that she can rejoin the meeting or something, mm-hmm. Will- John Williams. And that was my Rory's bookshelf because nice. John Williams is a great film score composer. He has written some of like the most famous film scores like Star Wars and I think all of the Indiana Jones films and Jurassic Park, among many, many others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, when I was growing up, the only... VHSs we had in my house were the original Star Wars trilogy mm. and Aladdin. Um, <laughs> so I grew up just listening to John Williams, basically, as when I was watching movies. So he's a special place in my heart. I also Googled him quickly for this, 
and he's 91 he's very old wow i think the day is coming and we're gonna have to have a moment of silence for him <laughs> not to be grim but yeah a little you were both sentimental and grim all at once which i think is a good yeah. pairing <laughs> <laughs> it's just how i am <laughs> i have to say i recently did the hands over ears humming move that's what um, Ooh, my partner cool. and i do after we finish the last of us and we don't want to yeah. watch the trailer uh, because we felt like one gave away too much information once so now we just try not mm-hmm. to watch them but I love to watch the inside the episode so I just you know <laughs> try to like not pay attention for a minute and then come back in <laughs> oh that's smart I just like skip all of it because I don't want to see the trailer mm. which means I missed all of the after the episode bits unless they end up on TikTok <laughs> I th- they're good they're good Like a little podcast that the creators are doing themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We, after the school day, we're back home. Lorelai brings a mystery grab bag from Al's. And I think this is actually very interesting because when we were recapping with Larissa for the Thanksgiving episode, she joked that the only international food that they ever have is from Al's. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) And now we see it that they're having... Um, these mystery bags where they try to guess what cuisine the food is. And then at the end, we find out they don't even know and they just decide to go to Luke's instead. So yeah, their interaction with international food is quite minimal in the show so far. Yeah. Also a mystery grab bag for food sounds kind of sketchy to me. (laughs) Unless it's like a desserts grab bag from a bakery that you know is good or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That just seems suspect. Um, in this scene, we also get a call from Emily and Emily's lawyer, or yeah, a call to set up a deposition for Lorelai <laughs> to give to Emily. So Lorelai calls Emily and immediately is just saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. <laughs> she says that she won't lie for Emily, which I thought was interesting. Like she, and Emily doesn't really respond to that necessarily she just kind of guilts Lorelai into doing it Mm -hmm. but Lorelai is outright here saying that she thinks that Emily treats her maids badly and Emily's kind of missing the point (laughs) yeah (laughs) as usual (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes but she is strong-armed into doing the deposition largely Mm -hmm. based on Emily's plea of family family loyalty and that she has helped Lorelai (laughs) out many times in the past and so now it's Lorelai's turn (laughs) yeah but this is legal like I know perjury right it's different yeah I do think it's different (laughs) also Emily should just accept that she treats her maids badly and vow to be different or something I don't know I'm surprised Emily just didn't agree to settle you know Mm -hmm, from my expertise from watching like lawyer shows like a a settlement you know and then they do an NDA so no one knows about it Mm -hmm. maybe that is what they're working toward I don't know they don't seem too interested in the minutia of the legal stuff (laughs) yeah and it never comes up again if I remember correctly Mm -hmm. moving forward we are in another day I guess it's the next day because they're at the learning center for their course and that's when we get a random exterior shot of a very ugly looking building, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I think kind of sets the tone for the nature of this class, which turns out to be incredibly boring. There's like one lecturer just going on and on 
monotonous in a monotone about really small details about opening an inn that Lorelai and Suki already know. So they're being mm-hmm. kind of disruptive students in the back <laughs> by playing games and talking to each other. But I can't blame them. They made a cootie catcher. I don't know if you <laughs> made these when you were in like elementary school and stuff, but I definitely remember making these with friends. And they're they're especially like like something you do in middle school or something because you'd usually start off like with all the outside edges numbered. You'd pick a mm-hmm. number, open and close it that many times, and then they'd pick... I don't know, a color or whatever on the inside and then spell that out and then something else. And then you'd open it up and it'd be like a, <laughs> I don't know, like a dare kind of or like, yeah, truth or dare type of thing. Mm-hmm. Or like, like a fortune. Kiss this boy or, yeah, or this boy likes you or <laughs> whatever. So it's very much like a middle school. I remember doing that like on bus rides to field trips and stuff. Yeah. It's just fun. I do. I have made those. I did not know they were called cootie catchers. I feel like there's another name for them. I just can't remember. Because mm-hmm. I I knew that they were called cootie catchers, but I don't think that that's what I called them as a kid. <laughs> but I don't remember what we did call them. Mm-hmm. Any 90s kids, uh, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> well, they end up leaving the class early because it turns into a sales pitch. So they definitely regret the $75 they spent. And that's the, so expensive. I know. And then the, they go try to get their try to go get their money's worth of cookies and coffee, but the feet, the coffee, I mean, the cookies <laughs> taste like feet apparently. Mm-hmm. This is all not so important though because really the true thing to note is that two men approach Joe from Deer Hill Lodge and his business partner Charlie Swan. AKA yeah. Billy Burke, AKA Alex. Yeah. <laughs> what was, who had the theory? I think it was Elena from yeah, who Women had, of yeah. Unquestionable, no, Women from Questionable, wait, <laughs> what is their title again? Women of Questionable Morals. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Unquestionable Morals. <laughs> yeah, the theory that like it is actually the same character. Yeah. And he changes his and, name. Yeah. And I actually, I'm sorry to correct. I think Elena told us about Soraya's yeah. idea. Yeah, that's true. Because she would, wasn't able to make it. We're going to have to ask, ask her about it mm-hmm. in our episode next week. Yes. When we recap the first half of season three with the Women of, Unqu- of Questionable Morals podcast. A little crossover <laughs> planned. Yeah. We'll get into that more. But yeah, I I always forget that it's the same actor. He looks different. I, the hair just makes such a big difference, I think. And the mustache, mm-hmm. you know, but <laughs> he's st- still quite handsome. Yes. There's a lot of like back and forth in this mm-hmm. scene because Suki and Joe are old pals from working together over the summer. And so they're going like really talking, doing inside jokes and stories. They're very like touchy I feel like like they keep yeah they were yeah it was a bit of a vibe (laughs) and then meanwhile Alex and Lorelai are kind of left to bond a little bit chat together (laughs) because they're on the outside and I feel like from this initial scene you get the sense that they would be a good fit like Alex 
is fairly quick thinking and keeping up with Lorelai. And he's also planning to own a coffee shop, which, as you mentioned before, is like Mm -hmm. the ideal man for (laughs) Lorelai. Yeah, I thought he was kind of like a cross between Max Medina and Luke. Oh, that's a great point. Like he wasn't quite as witty as Max, but he also kind of had the gruff, like outdoorsy type of vibe Mm -hmm. that Luke has, plus the coffee stuff. So I thought that there was a kind of happy medium. Of course, as we know, he doesn't last very long, but still. (laughs) Bummer. He lasts slightly longer than... um, John Hamm? John Hamm, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny. So while Suki and Joe are having their reminiscing, squealing conversation, (laughs) I thought like Lorelai attempts to kind of ad-lib with Alex like making up uh their own past history as in with inside jokes and stuff and that was pretty funny mm-hmm. and I also it made me wonder how much of the conversation between Suki and Joe was improv or whether it was all written because mm. I could see Melissa McCarthy being able to improv a lot of that yeah I could too but I'm pretty sure Gilmore is pretty notorious for sticking by That's the book true. of the script. But yeah. it did have a very improv feel to it, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Either way, they definitely did have some sort of chemistry, both mm-hmm. pairs. So that'll come up a yeah. little later. <laughs> I noticed a slight discrepancy in the scene that isn't really important. But mm-hmm. I noticed when the camera was on Alex and Suki, Lorelai is in the corner of the frame, like pouring herself a cup of coffee. But then when the camera is on Lorelai and Alex and like it's supposed to be in the same exact moment, she's just standing still holding her coat, not holding a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So a little, little thing I saw. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, not to go back to the director. But. <laughs> <laughs> I just think something was going on with this episode. Yeah, it wasn't quite as meticulous mm-hmm. as other ones. I mean, not, obviously we find plenty of things in other episodes <laughs> yeah. that are like continuity errors and stuff, but still. Well, uh, yeah, so the last thing to mention about the scene is that Suki and Joe plan to go visit an old friend's restaurant in Hartford. We will later learn there is a bit of a miscommunication about if this is a date or not. (laughs) And when they are walking away, I do notice Alex and Lorelai both look back at each other. So you get the sense of like, oh, but they didn't exchange information. What's going to happen there? We will find out. Suki did make a point of telling Joe that they work at the Independence Inn, Mm -hmm. so at least he has that information. That is good. The next scene, we're back at Chilton, and it's lunchtime. Paris is ranting about how the lunch ladies have poured gravy on her mashed potatoes, which I think is an important thing, but maybe not so important in this context as Paris is making it. Well, and it got on her asparagus as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, gravy on asparagus, I think, would not be as good as some other vegetables. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyways, during this, Rory also gets a paper airplane thrown at her that just says, we need to meet, write down a place. She writes down the place and then there's a clattering and she looks away and looks back and it's gone. (laughs) This begins the like amazing kind of I don't know, spy movie that (laughs) is Francie. I got the feeling that Francie watches a lot of like film noir detective movies Mm -hmm. and stuff from, Mm -hmm. you know, the 40s and 50s because she had that vibe down. (laughs) Yeah, 
it is a very fun side plot that does mm-hmm. feel like a spy <laughs> thriller to me in a way. <laughs> yeah. We cut straight to R- Rory walking through a dark parking garage, which I'm not sure where this is. Like, is there a parking garage at Chilton? <laughs> I was a bit confused. And since the paper airplane had asked her to name a time and place, I was like, would Rory really pick this abandoned parking yeah. garage? I do. Like, it fits the spy vibe, but I think at the expense of the, <laughs> the realism, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I feel like Rory would just pick the bathroom where they met before or something like that. Yeah. But it does allow for some fun <laughs> antics in the parking yes. garage. <laughs> yeah, this was actually my gazebo moment mm. when we... Rory's walking through and it seems abandoned and then all of a sudden a car alarm goes off, right? And she looks around. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she's, it's abandoned. She looks behind her and Francie is standing there, lights a lighter. (laughs) So strange. Mm -hmm. And is just standing there all kind of spooky and creepy. She starts to like put eyeliner on as she's talking about Wanting to have a truce with Rory, she wants to stop this vendetta, which, of course, made me think of V for Vendetta, Mm. which is a great movie. But (laughs) they kind of agree on a truce, and then a car alarm blares, and Francie disappears. She's magical. It was great. I loved it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as the camera pans away, you see the abandoned parking garage again, and Rory is standing right next to a a pole and I'm like realistically Francie's probably yeah. right behind that which is another funny thing to think about but I love her flair <laughs> for drama like the whole mm-hmm. applying makeup amidst talking to Rory about needing a truce was just excellent <laughs> yeah and she's got like I don't know she just does the whole character so well because she mm-hmm. looks she looks so like kind of preppy and girly and all of that and then she has this dark character yeah. who's, like, obsessed with intrigue and stuff. And it's Mafia just fun. Boss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never, you can never tell just from looks. And, of course, we're left to wonder, as Rory is, is this a real truce, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it would be naive of Rory to think that it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Are you a lonesome bachelor who doesn't live near a good bar? Fill your time with courses from the Learning Center. We've got classes ranging from topics like beekeeping, buying foreclosed real estate, writing a diary, and opening a small inn or bed and breakfast. If you've heard our judgmental critics say our courses are a laughable waste of time and money, don't listen to them. Our reasonably priced $75 admission fee will provide you with a two-hour-long course full of valuable information you definitely didn't know already, plus complimentary coffee and cookies that definitely don't taste like mud and feet. For listeners of Talking Fast, we've got a special offer. When you register for our Learning Center course on our website, type code FAST at checkout and you'll receive a 5% off discount for a course on making a podcast. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The next scene, we're back at the end. We're kind of jumping around a lot this episode. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai gets my Lorelai's closet for once this episode. I feel like this episode I was kind of like prescriptive in actually giving my Lorelai's closet to Lorelai and then mm-hmm. a star's hall a moment later. But she's wearing like this kind of periwinkle silk blouse. And she has a necklace with stones to match, which I'm realizing might now be like a regular thing for Lorelai. I just never noticed before this rewatch, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but I really like it. <laughs> and like a silk blouse with like tucked into trousers. I feel like that's just the like the coolest. If I could dress anyway and look good in it, <laughs> I would wear that if I had to be in like a situation where I had to be dressed up because mm. it just always looks so cool and elegant but also a little bit edgy you know yeah like bossish right almost like it almost adds like a casual feminine Mm -hmm. vibe almost depending on like hers is feminine at least but I agree it's such a cool look and it's very timeless I think yeah yeah agreed there's another show a murder show called The Fall which takes place in Ireland and has Gillian Anderson Mm -hmm. as like a detective and she often wears like a silk blouse and she just looks so impeccable the entire time. Of course. I mean, she always, always does. But. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, the main event here is that Joe is visiting Sookie. Uh, so, well, there is a little fun side story from <laughs> Michelle first <laughs> because Lorelai is saying, you know, she's nervous about the deposition and he's like, oh, you have nothing to worry about. I've done it. It was a breeze. And he tells yeah. the story about a yappy little dog that went missing in his neighborhood. And um, <laughs> Lorelai's like, you got rid of a dog and accuses him of yeah, getting rid of the dog. And he's like, oh, well, the transcript and the lie detector test will prove my innocence. She says he's heinous, and he says he's well rested. <laughs> so yeah, um, Michelle, Michelle has a dark past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then at this point, this is when Joe arrives and goes back to visit Suki, and they have like, like, like you said, they had a chemistry earlier, and it still carries through here. There's like a sense of familiarity between the two. He like just starts adding herbs to a pot and she doesn't even yell at him, which I feel like she would do to anyone else. And she has him taste her sauce and she like already knows that he's going to say it needs more like rum or brandy or whatever it was. So things seem to be going well, but then they turn awkward quickly when he starts to say like, I was kicking myself about um, never asking you out before. I'm glad to have a second chance. And the camera focuses on Suki's face <laughs> primarily while he's saying all of this and she looks like startled and uncomfortable. And rather than immediately saying she's married, she tells him to stir the pot and just runs out to go consult with Lorelai instead. <laughs> yeah, I loved this. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
She looks so aghast. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, Lorelai's on the phone. So Suki starts to make a bunch of funny movements. Again, like the physical <laughs> comedy uh, where almost kind of like she's dying in a sense, I think, is some of the movement she's doing. Uh, so she fills in Lorelai on the events after Lorelai gets off the phone. And I have my Rory's bookshelf in this conversation. Oh, I they, wondered if you yeah. would. <laughs> Perfect for me. Yeah. They <laughs> mentioned F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, which is a book that is good. And <laughs> it's also been adapted into movies a few different times. Most recently, it was a very interesting adaptation, like with Leonardo DiCaprio and the music soundtrack was like modern music i kind of i enjoyed mm-hmm. watching it i think it's a yeah. polarizing adaptation though <laughs> i think that's how most baz Luhrmann films are <laughs> definitely <laughs> i enjoyed it also but the way that the reference plan pans out here is that they compare joe to be sookie's gatsby which is essentially someone who has longed after their love for a long time and <laughs> so she's like that's gatsby level pining and she is his Daisy, who is Gatsby's. That's Gatsby has a crush on Daisy, the ultimate flapper girl, <laughs> married to a white supremacist husband. You know, classic yeah, no American deal. lit of the it was the twenties, I think. Anywho, uh, Suki and Lorelai both agree that this is a flattering thing to be a Daisy, uh, but it's also bad. So Suki has to go let him down, and she comes up with the idea of saying she's a lesbian, <laughs> which I think is a good, you know, that could work, but. Lorelai says, why don't you just tell him you're married? So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it actually ends up going fairly well. She goes back and, like, just tells him there's a misunderstanding. And surprisingly, I thought she was pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. We've seen Suki kind of circle around points before. And thankfully, this time, she just kind of got straight to the point. Though she did have to find her rings, which she takes off when she's cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, And Joe takes it really well. He's seems to be embarrassed a bit but ultimately all right with it and says that well maybe next time he shouldn't wait 10 years to ask a girl out which is probably true Mm -hmm. and he leaves and Lorelai comes and thinks oh that that went well Suki is just standing there and her face like as this scene is going just kind of turns from kind of worried anxious to like just terrified <laughs> and she and she shouts i'm a whore <laughs> as the scene ends which is i think an overstatement <laughs> uh definitely but it was a hilarious line delivery and i like that there's like a background actor who kind of like turns around <laughs> like a random in guest like what was that about <laughs> yeah is this the hotel the kind of hotel we thought it was <laughs> mm, i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh after this We are walking around town. This is my Stars Hollow moment. Another kind of uh, straightforward Stars Hollow moment because they're walking through the square. It's all snowy. There's fairy lights all over the place. They put a hat on a snowman that's like Mm -hmm. very clearly made out of styrofoam, but (laughs) (laughs) nice anyway. So it's got like the whole atmosphere and everything. And Mm -hmm. we've barely gotten any snow here in Illinois this year so I was kind of and I I don't want any now because it's almost March but I was a little bit jealous of the just kind of snowy nice wintry vibes right it was looking very gorgeous and Mm -hmm. I have my Lorelai's closet related to the 
cold weather outfits they have on. I am going to highlight Rory's for the, just because I think I'm supposed to, you know, nominate a single thing. (laughs) Uh, She's got a purple hat and scarf that are matching and she's got on a dark blue coat, but then she has her light blue sweater sleeves sticking out from underneath the coat. So it looks really cute. Uh, But I do want to shout out Lorelai's long pink scarf and vest Mm -hmm. and striped shirt combo. Uh, Though I do think like um, it doesn't seem that cold for January based on their outfits. I know, but then there's (laughs) snow. But there's snow. So, hey, I don't we don't need to worry about it too much. (laughs) Um, They're preparing Lorelai for the deposition. She's having really bad answers. We'll learn the actual deposition doesn't go much better than this. But then we come to my Stars Hollow moment. So this is a very packed, short scene, (laughs) Um, which is when they go up to Luke's and he's coming out and says he's run out of food. And they're like, how is that possible? And apparently he left the ordering to just that week and it did not go according to plan. Uh, So he is going over to Dosi's to get food and he starts to like get out his notepad and starts taking their order uh, like oh what do you want and they list off all these things and then they list random things like toilet paper because he's going to the market and I, ju- I just thought it was so like a very small town moment of a restaurant running out of food and being able to just like walk a block over and get the food and like your regular customers are just happening to be there and you take their order rather than just going to like buy bulk items. I know, it was fairly uh, Stars Hollow E to me, but as a whole, I didn't feel like this episode had many like town kind of moments. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of stretch, but yeah. hey, it works. We barely had any like diner time this episode. Mm-mm. No Kirk anywhere. No Babette, Miss Patty. Yeah. This this episode really was like when I was watching it, I was like, this is OK. But mm-hmm. now that we're talking about it, I'm like, wow, this was kind of a bummer episode. Yeah, it's a bus. But hey, <laughs> yeah. we're making our way Anyways, through. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a short podcast. <laughs> um, after this, we are at Chilton again and Paris has gone into the bathroom, which is now like a main point of uh, a, a main setting for all the Francie <laughs> intrigue. Yeah, we've got like a classroom and a bathroom. Chilton yeah. says. Oh, and the yeah. lunchroom. <laughs> and a parking garage? <laughs> Question mark? Yeah. And so Francie follows Paris in, uh, kind of hounds the other person in there to get out. And then she starts talking about how she has so much respect for Paris. Um, and she really feels bad that she has to bring this up. But then she hands Paris an envelope full of pictures taken from the parking garage meeting they're all like super artsy kind of like paparazzi black and white (laughs) shadowy pictures of the two of uh, Rory and Francie meeting (laughs) then Francie also mentions that like Rory seems to think that Paris is too wrapped up in her boyfriend to be taking things seriously, which I think was the real sticking point. I think everything else in this could have been easily like forgiven or explained away, but I think mm-hmm. it was that the fact that Francie is now like using this boyfriend stuff, uh, and maybe pointing, maybe like hitting on kind of a sensitive spot for Paris. Maybe she has mm-hmm. noticed that she was kind of 
getting overwhelmed with Jamie, which we've noticed in the past few episodes. And so this this comment really clearly really got to Paris. Mm-hmm. But it was another great intrigue moment from Francie. <laughs> I love a good genre bending moment. So I like the inclusion of the spy thriller intrigue mm-hmm. storyline here. But they they're pairing it with a very like real fight between Paris and Rory so I think I do have to kind of put it to the test of like what's the logic here and I just don't like why would Paris like who took photos like why would there (laughs) be these photos and then why would someone be blackmailing Francie with the photos yeah it it's just very silly and I don't (laughs) think we're supposed to like really think about it too hard but it is paired with something that we would think about really hard, which is like a conflict between two major characters. So mm-hmm. I, uh, it's just a little, it's a wiggly storyline, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could have gone differently. I think it would have been interesting to have the Francie spy kind of storyline, but then Rory ultimately gets the best of her because we kind of see Rory just not really... I don't know. She doesn't have any, she doesn't take any agency or responsibility in this whole storyline, but she's smart enough that she could potentially, I don't know, have a little bit more oomph. Mm. I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was just a a good effort. Yeah. (laughs) The next scene is the confrontation between Paris and Rory. And it, this is another, it opens with this external shot of Chilton again. Mm-hmm. It was so unnecessary. Like they were, they were we were just at there. the bathroom. We don't, yeah, we don't need a reminder. It was, so, it was annoying to me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it also is like opening on apparently a physical education PE class where they're mm-hmm. fencing. <laughs> it's like so hoity. Since when do they fence? But I guess it does seem like an activity they would do at Chilton. But mm-hmm. I feel like they just wanted a dramatic way for this fight to unfold. So we're like, why not have them be fencing while they have this altercation? Yeah. <laughs> and seriously. it was giving me, um, it was giving me parent trap vibes because they uh, fence in that movie mm-hmm. and fight. And then also the Harry Potter dueling <laughs> scene yeah. from the second movie, which also relates to like irresponsible teachers as well. Uh, like Lockhart, because this teacher does not ever get involved while Paris and Rory are fighting, including when Paris is just chasing Rory around the room. I really question the Chilton teachers, like the student council teacher didn't get involved. This teacher didn't get involved. What is happening? (laughs) Where's Max Mm -hmm. Medina? (laughs) Yeah, seriously, why isn't he teaching fencing? (laughs) There were a couple cool things about this scene first off louise i noticed had curlers in her hair (laughs) to prevent getting helmet hair from the fencing helmet paris brings up this whole meeting with francie and i had a really hard time with this episode trying to find a friday night dinner because i i don't think i felt passionately about anything (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i decided to give my Friday night dinner to the a bit of this conversation, mostly just because I agree with Paris to an extent. Paris is saying that she isn't upset, or she knows that Francie is manipulating her. That much is clear. 
but that she's angry that Rory still went behind her back and didn't tell her about it. And that's the part I agree with. I think Rory should have told Paris about all of this stuff as it was happening, Mm -hmm. especially because she kind of knows how Paris can react to things sometimes. And I feel like it would have been just kind of preemptive, like protection to just tell Paris right out what happened, especially knowing that Francie is probably trying to get in and like manipulate the situation I don't know, this seems like bad gameplay <laughs> to, like, I'm just thinking of The Bachelor and when that kind of stuff happens, when, like, it's always, it's usually better to just kind of get out in front of something than to sit back and let it happen, yeah. especially when you have, like, a reactive person involved, which Paris is, as she <laughs> shows by chasing Rory around with a fencing sword. I agree completely Especially about why Rory didn't tell her from the outset. I think it would have prevented all of this. Mm -hmm. But as it stands, as you mentioned also before, the sticking point really does seem to be the Jamie part of it, which I think is like a little unfair because if I recall the conversation, Francie had already seen Paris with a guy. So then at the meeting, she implies it's her brother and then when she's alone with Rory, she's implied, she says some guy or something like that. So I feel like Rory more so confirms what Francie suspected rather than just like saying it outright. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, Paris is reactive. So I don't know if that detail would change things, the nuance of like how it would, how it came out. Um, the the scene ends with Rory on the ground <laughs> and Paris yelling. She can't believe she ever thought of Rory as her best friend, which is very Aww. sad and dramatic. And they had been getting along so well talking about gravy and mashed potatoes and stuff. I know. Too bad. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> the next scene is a Friday night dinner again. So we've made it through an entire week in this episode. <laughs> yep. I almost gave Lorelai my Lorelai's closet for her cool leather bomber bomber jacket <laughs> which is like i always think that those look so cool mm-hmm. um but they walk in emily is super quiet just kind of sitting <laughs> there and you're immediately suspicious like this isn't emily she's usually got some sort of critique as soon as they walk in or something and she pulls out <laughs> the copy of lorelei's deposition notes and <clears throat> starts reading through them i thought the there was the one great thing about this was how like clearly you could hear Lorelai's voice through the <laughs> answers that were given. Mm-hmm. Like even just the way that um, Emily was reading them off with like the same kind of intonation that Lorelai would have used. I thought that was just great acting, and of course like the scriptwriters did a great job as well. <laughs> right. Um, I did notice that a lot of the questions were extremely leading questions and I don't think would have ever been included on an actual deposition but uh yeah the the main gist of this is that Emily is very disappointed in Lorelai's answers Lorelai thinks she attempted to give some nice feedback somewhere Mm -hmm. in there but (laughs) Emily is unconvinced yeah that was a very humorous (laughs) scene (laughs) Oh, okay. So our next scene is 
we're you know we're back to Chilton once more <laughs> this must be Monday I think and Rory is at lunch and you see that the sign up for the blood drive is in the cafeteria after all so that's you know how you know Rory lost the feud between mm-hmm. her and Francie I think Paris, Madeline, and Louise arrive and then purposefully don't sit at the table with Rory. So she gets out her good old Walkman and plans to eat lunch alone. This is when another paper airplane arrives at her table, calling her a leper, which is mean. (laughs) But notably, it arrives from a direction opposite where Francie is in the scene. So it's like from a minion or like how did it arrive? Who sent the airplane? She may have, like, mafia minions. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, very, uh, I don't know, either continuity errors or (laughs) she's just got, like, a whole whole team. I guess she was the Puffs, right? So maybe the Puffs are on her side for this. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) The next scene we have is at Sookie's, and she has made a super fancy dinner for Jackson. This dinner gets my got a taste test, that award. I didn't write down everything she had, but she had like lamb chops and cornbread. And it was just like a super extravagant, fancy dinner. It seemed like a lot of Jackson's favorite things. Yeah, I also <laughs> gave this my got a taste test specifically to the lamb chops with Sicilian olives, rosemary, and garlic. <laughs> but then there's so also a potato and chorizo salad and beef jerky and then a fried marshmallow potato pie or just marshmallow pie. But it's a very like odd assortment of things and she's playing his favorite music. <laughs> so I think this is like pretty suspicious. And yeah, <laughs> Jackson bursts out with my just sass attack. <laughs> you cheated on me. <laughs> And Suki responds, I only flirted accidentally. And he runs away. It's it's very comedic. Um, I do have a question about the timing of this because it kind of acts like she came home from Joe yeah. to do this. But it's actually been multiple days since then. So maybe her guilt was just building and building. So she finally just like made a dinner because she had to address it. I don't know. But I felt like lot in terms of where it's at in the episode it doesn't quite make sense (laughs) I was there were like all of the closing scenes I was I think were edited in the wrong order (laughs) Mm. like I think that the Chilton blood drive thing should have happened or the Suki thing should have happened like soon after the in scene Mm -hmm. and then the blood drive in the cafeteria should have happened. All of this before the Friday night dinner, like closing up the week. It just oh, didn't yeah. make any sense. I that agree. All of this was after that. Good point. They would have had to like made it through an entire weekend. <clears throat> and also, so after this, they're at, at home and Alex calls Lorelai. So it just, like he would have then waited an entire like half week before calling her. <laughs> So that seems like that that's the only thing that could have happened after Friday night dinner, but everything else should have happened, I think, before Friday night dinner. Yeah, I think that is well observed. But this conversation with Alex, he kind of pulled a Lorelai in her hunt for John Hamm oh, yeah. and called the uh, 
Independence Inn and got her phone number from Michelle, who told him to call any time of the night. She usually stays up until like 3 or 4 a.m. <laughs> um, and he is asking Lorelai to go on a coffee taste testing date with him, which is, of course, the perfect date for Lorelai. Um, he needs somebody, a second palate to help him decide between good coffee. Mm-hmm. And they flirt a little bit and set up the date. One thing I did like about this episode directorially wise is that as at the end of the scene, the camera pans out through the window and you just get a shot of Lorelai like sitting on the couch joking on the phone with Alex. And I liked mm-hmm. that shot. Yeah, <laughs> but, I thought that yeah. was a really nice touch. And that whole conversation was my gazebo moment as well. I had a hard time honestly picking out a gazebo moment, but I picked this because I just think it's so fun that it is Billy Burke as Alex here. And then that it's a coffee related romance, I think is fitting for the show. And as a small note, I also really liked Alex's house (laughs) when it shows him on the phone. It's all like really dark wood and green and there's like a duck on something I don't remember what but it had a sort of like masculine woodsy cozy kind of vibe to it that I think you're right kind of is almost like a I don't know I also get Ron Swanson vibes too from Parks and Rec um paired with Luke paired with Max Medina he's kind of an amalgamation this Alex (laughs) yeah too bad we don't really get much of a personality from him in the long run Mm mm-hmm but that was the episode. I, this is like our shortest <laughs> recap episode. In a long time. <laughs> and we if like, ever. we, yeah, we, we gave it our all to make this episode a bit more exciting, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't. <laughs> Who was your MVP for this episode? My MVP was Alex. Oh, uh, for pretty much what I just said, the Charlie Swan cameo. I've been big into Twilight recently. I (laughs) was like a diehard fan when I was younger. Then I was like a hater because I, as I grew up, I was like, wow, that was like kind of (laughs) toxic and impressionable on my young mind. Um, Then I turned into like an ironic fan. And then I'm kind of just like full circle, Mm -hmm. love to (laughs) rewatch. It brings me so much joy. It's so silly to see. And I love the Rob Robert Pattinson era where he's Batman now um yeah see I'm I'm going on about all the things that aren't even related (laughs) to the episode um that's all I have to say who is your MVP mine was Francie for her like bringing some intrigue bringing a little bit of interest to this episode and I wish we got more extended villain edits for her (laughs) throughout Mm. the season um because I think she kind of disappears after this. Right. Until the reboot, really. I don't really remember anything else that she does. Yeah, that's uh. a good point. Um, and then we see her, well, we see the actor again in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as Susie's sister. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even recognize her. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I just realized <laughs> Suki and Susie are pretty similar names. And I think the actor who plays Susie was originally going to play Suki, right? Yeah, that sounds so, right. What a small world with similar wow. names. Yeah. The Paladino verse. <laughs> yeah. 
Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Agreed. Well, anyway, so uh, next week we'll be having our half or mid-season recap with our guests and then we'll, we have an interview set up for you and then we're going to be taking a couple weeks off. Mm-hmm. We both have some pretty big milestones happening. Alexis is taking her qualifying exams for PhD. I am defending my dissertation. So mm-hmm. our next recap. Suzanne will be a doctor. <laughs> yeah, and Alexis will be ABD, which is the most disappointing acronym ever. It just means all the dissertation, and yeah. that's just so sad. It I guess I'm like cooler. a candidate, technically, as if yeah. I, I wasn't before. <laughs> I was just a student. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, but definitely... you get to change your email <laughs> sign, sign off. And if I fail my exam, then we'll talk about that when we come back. No. <laughs> You won't. <laughs> I will not. Um, yeah, I can't believe it's been half a season already, but I always I enjoy looking back and picking out all my favorites and things like that. I mm-hmm. can already tell you this will not have been my favorite episode, but hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited I because there's so much left to happen in this season mm-hmm. to be jammed into the next 11 episodes. So something Woo-hoo. to look forward to. Yes. And yeah, in the meantime, don't forget about our March Madness starting pretty soon it's gonna be great okay (laughs) anyways talk soon talk soon thanks for listening to talking fast a gilmore girls podcast don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends join us on instagram and tiktok at talking fast podcast and join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com